following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Sports, but we came here to win the most legit podcast. That's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news. We underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process. Yes, you, because we got Chris and Anshu to bless you with the best features, best stories. We diving deep like a Lambo leap. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring. We on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the talk pound. In the cold, get a gold brown. Sit back and race the cat because we start this show like right now. Welcome to a special edition of the Underdog Podcast. My guest today is Charlie Erling, one of the hosts of the popular Sunny and PHX podcast on our podcast network. Charlie, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on. I'm just a, really happy to be part of your network, for one. And you know, we just love making these Phoenix Suns podcasts and coming on to help you every once in a while. All part of the job, but we like doing it. Well, I appreciate that. I'm, this is sort of my tic-tac-toe for uh, Sonny and PHX hosts. I've had, uh, I think Mitch was the first person to come on, and uh, Dave has been on two or three times. So it's good to finally get you here. You bet. And what was the, what's the holdup? What's the problem? Too good for us up until now? Oh, Chris, are, are we going to start this? Are we going to start this with our email chain back and forth? Uh, so how exciting is this? The NBA, as of today officially back i am so excited it's it's been a while since we've seen some meaningful basketball uh call summer league and preseason what you want but yeah i'm just i'm ready to go oh absolutely absolutely you guys were out there at summer league i did a couple of summer league specific episodes on your podcast once again sunny and phx go check it out as soon as you stop listening to this episode and uh what was uh, being out of summer league like for you I mean, I think it's the pure basketball fan experience to go to a summer league because, I mean, you don't see the people who think it's trendy to go catch a game that day. No. I mean, these are, the, these are the diehard basketball fans that come from really all over the country, specifically a heavy Southwest presence at the summer league. But, mm-hmm. you know, just being so close to the court, you can hear the coaches, you can hear the players. It's just a great experience for a basketball fan. I totally recommend you catch one if you never have. Yeah, it's on my bucket list, and I gave it serious consideration this year, even kind of looked into how annoying the drive would be from where I am or how cheap flights we could get, but ended up backing off because we had some other stuff going on. And personally, I'm really excited that I did because while Markel Fultz looked great in Utah, he got hurt early in uh, Vegas and – I don't know that I was there to watch the Matthias Lasorts and those type of players play for my beloved 76ers. Right. That, that does make sense. And I mean, as a Suns fan, I mean, I'm an obvious Suns homer here, but mm-hmm. the, the crowds that the Lakers bring out there, especially mm-hmm. the Lonzo ball phenomenon this oh, year, God. just, it was, it was amazing, but a little disgusting. So yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. That's very well put. I was, uh, so I'm obviously I'm a giant, giant basketball fan, have been my entire life. And I remember very well 
the 76ers Los Angeles Lakers summer league game where Alonzo went off for like a triple double after struggling in the first half. And I was just, I've never been so angry about a basketball game. One, because that crowd already holds Lonzo Ball as this sort of like deity. And it's it's early and it's unwarranted and it's unfair. But more importantly, I've never seen worse transition defense than I have in this game. Every single time Lonzo Ball went to the basket, our big guys, whoever, whatever big guy who will be bagging groceries in Ethiopia next week, uh, was was in the middle of that time, just decided, no, oh, I'm not going to contest this. And it was free drives to the basket. It's just not good basketball. It drove me crazy. I sent some very worked up texts to my co-host, one Anshukana, about it as he was sort of goading me about how well Lonzo Ball was playing. But, oh, man, I've never been so worked up about a summer league game. Oh, you know, just a funny quip from our experience. I think the the first night we got there, we had watched the Suns play, and then we were going to catch a little bit of the Lakers game. And we watched the first half, and Lonzo played terribly, yeah. which was a rarity for Summer League because we saw those triple-doubles and everything. But I remember we left at halftime, and I was like, huh, Lonzo, just not what he's all made out to be. And mm-hmm. then we got back to the hotel, flip on ESPN, triple-double out of Lonzo Ball that game somehow. It was incredible, but... I mean, maybe maybe Lonzo's hype ends with summer league. Maybe we can help that a little bit. Yeah, where do you uh, where do you project the Lonzo Ball stats to look like this year? Because I will say that. So obviously, originally the Seventy Sixers drew the number three pick in the draft, and I was kind. Of, this was back when the Lakers were talking. Oh, maybe we're not as into Lonzo Ball as one might think. Maybe it's going to be Josh Jackson bringing defensive intensity to this team. Probably all posturing in retrospect, but I sort of talked myself into Lonzo Ball a little bit more than I had previously, and I will say that I've always had the utmost of respect for the way Lonzo Ball plays basketball because sure. you know, I have I have played the position that he plays, certainly not to the level that he has, but and I appreciate the nuances of it, and I don't think people understand just how much passing the ball like Lonzo Ball passes the ball does for an entire offense. Now, you have... Guys like LeBron James and and Russell and uh, and James Harden, who are kind of selfish passers. Lonzo Ball is the epitome of an unselfish passer. He moves the ball to move the ball because it's good for the offense. And when a point guard does that, and when you know you can pass the ball and there's a chance you're going to get it back on this possession, it makes everyone else 10 times more unselfish. And it just changes the way a team plays offense. And I, we've seen that in Los Angeles already. Absolutely. And I mean... I think of Steve Nash a little bit, the way he yeah. could move the ball. You see that. And then Jason Kidd too. You see some you just see some similarities there. And Lonzo looks like a guy that who can do a little bit of everything, even as a rookie here. I don't think he's gonna be racking up triple doubles or even double doubles for that matter. But mm-hmm. you know, ten points per game, maybe a little higher, six or seven assists and a few rebounds. I mean that wouldn't be that wouldn't be too crazy, but I know a lot of people are pining for uh, bigger numbers than that. I just don't quite see that happening. And with the guys around him, it's going to be tough to look great, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they're going to play really fast, which is going to boost his stats up artificially a little bit. So I actually think numbers like, uh, I don't know, I think 8.5 points and 9.5 assists 
is actually doable, but I think it's going to be pretty inefficient shooting. Let's call it like 31% from three and something like 38, 39% from the field. I think those are, those are doable numbers for ball as a rookie. And I also think despite the fact that those would be borderline historic numbers in terms of the assist that's that Los Angeles Lakers fans would view that as Lonzo being something of a bust. Oh, I never really thought of labeling Lonzo as a bust. I, I must just be on that ball family Kool-Aid, but <laughs> you know, well, maybe, yeah, that does make sense though. Like he could put up great numbers in those ornery Lakers fans. Maybe that's not enough for them right away. Well, I think the inefficiencies in the shooting is going to be a problem. And I don't, I don't think it, it's hard for me to see him scoring double figures as a rookie, just because he's not the most gifted scorer in the world. And, can't really pull up going to going one way. Doesn't really take mid range jump shots at all. Uh, and you know the NBA is not is not college basketball. The NBA defenses are smart. NBA game plans are smart, and they're going to make Lonzo take tough shots on every possession or pull up for that twenty six foot three. I I don't yeah. see efficiency in Lonzo Ball's rookie year. Yeah, you know they're they're handing him the keys. He's definitely mm-hmm. their starting point guard. He's going to log plenty of minutes this season. And, man, just with those guys around him, without those real bona fide scorers alongside of him, it's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out. And what do you think of Kuzma? Obviously, he had a huge summer league, and there's some talk today that he may actually get the start um, in place of KCP right now. Do you think he's a, a legitimate starter in this league, potentially, or do you think he's a guy who had a really good summer league? So, good summer league solid preseason too yeah and you know there's all this hype about kuzma going on right now i had to look for myself i watched some highlights and the only thing i can say is like this guy has a combination of size athleticism and finesse mm-hmm. that we just haven't seen a ton of lately and i mean like that's the floater game that he has and the post moves that he has those, those look so smooth for a rookie and yes, summer league competition, preseason competition, but I've been very impressed by him and I could see him stealing minutes from a number of guys on that roster. Yeah. There's another thing that he has. There's an, another intangible that's really necessary for, you know, for a guy to succeed at the NBA level. And that is sort of unabashed arrogance in terms of his offensive abilities. Yeah. Um, when you see guys that get sort of get that attitude, that confidence, that cockiness, uh, you can see things bloom. I mean, I'm a Suns guy. We have Devin Booker. He mm. He's a confident guy, and we've seen what he can do. So having that confidence is a huge part of being a successful player, no doubt, especially as a scorer. What do you think ends up happening with this Lakers team? Obviously, they're setting themselves up a little bit for next offseason when you have a number of high-profile players available who have been linked to L.A. There's been talk that they could look to uh, to trade Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson to you know get a little bit further under the cap. Is this? Do you think it's a foregone conclusion that LeBron James is going to be donning Lakers orange? <laughs> Lakers, that would be great for you. But uh, Lakers yeah. ye- yellow and purple, gold and purple, whatever oh. they want to call it, next year. You know, I, I just don't want to see that, but no. LeBron to L.A., it seems seems about right. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, uh, and breaks my heart. I, I, it does. I sold myself as 
as LeBron could could come to Philadelphia and and mentor his uh, his young protege Ben Simmons. But I put the, I there now dropped that percentage to about one point five percent. Yeah, and LeBron's one of those guys. On a personal level, it's really tough for me to like LeBron. Agreed. And I'm known to I'm known to talk a little smack about the guy, but say he puts on a Suns uniform, I'm his number one fan. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's funny how that changes quickly because throughout the years, you know, when my friends would say, "Hey, would would you be interested in LeBron James down the road when he's a free agent?" and you know, you think there's no chance. It's like, no, no, I don't want him. You know, I, he's going to take away from minutes for the guys we have. I want to build organically. I want to do it right. And then all of a sudden, you start thinking, well, maybe there's a slight chance that he could considerably think about coming to the team. And it's like, yep, I'm in. Get me a jersey. Get me a jersey. I'm in. I sadly did that exact thing with Blake Griffin this offseason. While there was a little bit of rumors to Blake having interest in the Suns, uh, I'm not proud of how quick I flipped my opinion on Blake <laughs> right then and there, but that's how it goes. And then you sort of have to temper it because you don't feel right about yourself if you go back all the way to where you were. Like, oh, this guy's this guy's terrible. I don't want him on my team. <laughs> now it's got to be like, well. Yeah, he he's I don't love him, but you got to respect him. Right. That's well, right. That Clippers team is a disaster. I uh I I don't know what they're going to be. I don't th- I don't think they know what they're going to be. Uh so I loved the signing of Tay Dosich. I thought this was one of the the more underrated incredible value signings of the summer because this has been the best player in Europe for a long time now and he is an elite, 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 elite level passer who does change an offense, kind of like Alonzo Ball. But, uh, sure. guys, terrible defensive player. It looks like they're going to bring him off the bench to start the season behind Patrick Beverly, who I also like Patrick Beverly, but I'd like to see him playing. I'd like to see Beverly slotted at the two in LA with Tados, as a starting point guard. Gallinari's another guy who it's fun that he can shoot the ball, but he doesn't play any defense whatsoever. You have Blake, Blake thinks he's a point guard. DeAndre Jordan, you know, well, at least DeAndre Jordan knows what he is. I just, right. I don't, I don't get the identity of this Clippers team this year. Yeah, I, I absolutely don't either. And this is Blake's first year since his rookie year without CP3 on the team. Yeah. So that's something I, I just really want to see how that ends up. But the roster just seems like such a mess. Mm-hmm. But there's also a little balance to the roster. I mean, uh, you have, defensively Blake can play a little defense Jordan's a great defender Mm. Gallo plays no defense but then you put Pat Beverly in there he's a he's a feisty defender so I kind of see where they're going with this but you look around and you see them projected between 45 and 50 wins on some sites this season and that, that just seems a little asinine to me oh yeah absolutely and you know Austin Rivers Austin Rivers is going to have this I'm I'm a legitimate star kind of uh, attitude to start the season, and I think it's going to go really poorly. Like Lou Williams is a backup, but again, he's another guy who no defense whatsoever. You're right; it's a it's a, it's an interesting and weirdly constructed team. I was very high on Juwan Evans when he was a 76er for a couple of seconds during mm-hmm. the draft, and before we sold him for like 1.5 million dollars, which is yeah not a great thing to say taken out of context, but. But as their third point guard there, it's a, it's a weird team. I, I, do you think there's some element of 
Blake Griffin's kind of happy that CP3's gone because Blake's always fancied himself a ball handler. Right, yeah, I can see Griffin demanding to bring up the ball every once in a while. But the ball's definitely going to be in his hands a lot this season. Yeah. And there's no reason to think that his numbers won't be great. I mean, sure, I maybe pushed that a little too far. But I, I think Blake... <laughs> I think Blake will have a great season. He's obviously their number one guy now, and that, that'll be exciting to see. I just, with this Clippers roster, I worry about the lack of uh, sort of a go-to scorer. I don't know how easily a power forward can go get buckets anytime he wants to, especially a power forward that plays the game like Blake Griffin does. I definitely feel a lot more comfortable having my, you know, my guy who can go get you a bucket be somewhere from the one to the three. But you're, sure. you're right. It'll be... Interesting to see the evolution of Blake Griffin in a post-Chris Paul world. Uh, another another team whose evolution is certainly interesting and one who is uh, I'll be watching because we potentially have their draft pick in 2019 is the Sacramento Kings. I don't know. Are you a little bit a little bit worried about the Kings at this point? I know it's a little bit weird to say. As a Suns fan, am I worried? As in, are they going to out-tank us this season, or are they going to be better than us in the future? A or B. I don't, I don't, this is certainly not a team that is looking to tank bringing in George Hill, bringing in Zach Randolph. Sure. You know, just a, it's really tough to put a finger on what, where the Kings are exactly going to end up this season Mm -hmm. because of the guys like Hill and Randolph. And I mean, are they going to outplay the Suns this year? I'd say so for sure. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at their bench, they've got Giles and Scal and Justin Jackson and Fox. Like that's a team that's built for the future as well. Yeah. So I am a little bit worried about the Kings. And I'm I love... also excited to see Bogdan Bogdanovich finally play some pro basketball. He was on the Suns had his rights for years and we always thought he'd come over, but this seems to be the year where he plays. Well, he hurt his ankle and isn't practicing today, so you might have oh. to wait a little bit longer. Oh, man. But still, I, he's a guy that I think can do a little bit in oh, the yeah. NBA right off the bat. So looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. This is a really interestingly constructed roster with so many young, high upside players. I don't. I think it's weird that they're sort of putting a Band-Aid on the wins-losses this season with the signings of Hill and... Uh, and Randolph, because you know, if I'm if I'm Sacramento, let's let's let the young guys play. Let's have some fun, and let's let's you know not worry so much about winning. You could start, you know, you start Fox at the one, Heald at the two, Bogdanovich maybe uh, at the three or as your sixth man. Scal's your four, Cauley Stein's your five. Giles gets minutes when he's back. You know, I love Garrett Temple. I I uh, I think Garrett Temple is one of the real underrated players in the league who gets no credit and brings a lot I to agree. a team. So uh, it's weird. The signings of Hill and and Randolph were just weird to me. Yeah, because there's no reason why De'Aaron Fox and Scal couldn't run the show from the one and the four. Like they, mm-hmm. they can play pro basketball. That's that wouldn't be too much of a leap to put them out there for big minutes. You know, it, it's kind of. I was surprised when we saw Zebo sign with them. Yeah. Yes, me too. And then he uh, got arrested for having a lot of marijuana. Yeah, you you got to find another guy to do that work for you. You're not kidding. I mean, you have the money. Jeez. Yeah. What is your agent telling you? Come on, you know. Exactly. I like this team though, and uh, I hope they. I do hope they fall apart because we have this weird thing where we have this pick from the Lakers this year. 
as long as it's not between two and five. And uh, if if it is, we get the Kings pick next year. So, you know, I wouldn't mind. I, I'm interested in this. I would love to get a num- another number one pick. That would be wonderful, obviously. I think Luka Doncic would be a, a very nice fit on the 76ers roster. And anyone who's followed uh, follows us on Twitter knows that I love Luka Doncic as I post clips of him all the time. But... I could also live with uh, an R.J. Barrett or an Anthony Simons. I've never, I'm not sure if it's Simons or Simmons. There's one M in there, and I've never heard it said, but one of those guys in 19, uh, I, I don't know. I just, I want to know what they are. I don't, I don't like the uncertainty. Uncertainty in general drives me crazy. So I want to see, are the Kings good or not? And I think this first 20, 25 game sample size will let us know the direction they're headed. And I hate Justin Jackson, let me say that right away i hate justin jackson i don't i don't think he's good i know what you mean i i don't i don't quite disagree with you on that but one thing to look at for the kings is who can play defense on the wing yeah is garrett is garrett temple their best wing defender De'Aaron fox too sure okay if is he gonna play much too though or is he gonna be well, I'm, I'm, I mean, he's obviously he's obviously going to be on the court. I mean, yeah, where yeah. he plays, maybe it's two point guards with him, and Hill plays the two when when they play together. I don't know, but they they can't draft Fox five and not play him. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And he has the size to be able to match up against some twos and maybe even some threes. So he's definitely one of the better defenders on the roster right now. So when they're playing teams with heavy scoring from the wing position, that'll be interesting to see how they, they manage that. You don't think a 40 year old Vince Carter is going to be able to lock people down defensively. Uh, I think the insanity is left of insanity. Uh, all right. So then the, uh, the elephant in the room in the Pacific division, of course, is those golden state warriors better or worse than last year. I'd say better. I mean, they're 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 deep at every position. I mean, not center, not mm-hmm. quite with Zaza and Javale, but I mean, bench unit of Livingston, Swaggy P, or Patrick McCaw, Iggy, Jordan Bell, or David West. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty solid right there. And yeah, that's Jordan... not mentioning Steph, Clay, and right, Iggy. right, those guys. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan Bell's a basketball player. People are going to realize this. Yeah, I saw Draymond either tweeted or was quoted saying that he had to step it up in practice last week because Jordan Bell was coming for his job. And that's exactly what I thought when they managed to land Jordan Bell. I was like, oh, there's a more athletic Draymond. Let's see how this goes. Yeah. Yeah, so... I think Bell went 37 and Juwan Evans went 38. And that's interesting because... Bell originally picked by the Chicago Bulls. Evans picked by the 76ers. My, my co-host, Andrew Kana, giant Bulls fan. God bless his heart, and I'm sorry for him. And, <laughs> and I'm a 76ers fan. We were both ecstatic about these picks. Him a little bit more than me, because Bell is a great value at 37. And then within yeah. minutes, we both, we both sell those picks for peanuts. Oh. I hate selling draft picks. I hate it so much. I don't agree with that either. I don't agree with it. Who, what is the $5 million? Like, I know you're going to end up getting close to the full $5 million when it's all said and done, but is that necessary? Like, it, you know, it, there's no tangible benefit to selling a draft pick other than putting money into the organization. It doesn't count as salary cap room. It doesn't count as anything for on-the-field, on-the-court products. Just don't, don't, don't do it. If, if you feel like you have to do something like that, 
take an international player that you're going to stash for a couple of years. Take a take a lot, you know, an international lottery ticket. Don't don't sell the 37th pick in the draft. Yeah, well, you know, they got Laurie Markkinen early in the draft, and they just figured they wouldn't need Jordan Bell. We could have taken somebody else. You know, he wasn't the only <laughs> he wasn't the only person on the board. And uh, and by the way, are there two more different players in this draft than Larry Markkinen and Jordan Bell? Yeah, that's very contradicting styles of basketball right there. That's a good 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 look right there. And then then Charlie, we get to the Phoenix Suns, a team that you know a little bit about. What are your expectations for the Suns team going into the year? You know, not a ton. I guess it would be the safest way to put it. I'm familiar I, with I, that. I, I expect to see some older guys on the roster move this year, even though we've been saying that for the last couple of years. I can yeah. definitely see a move happening. You know, Tyson Chandler, Eric Bledsoe, I mean, after his season last year, that trade value was pretty high. I wonder how that's retained coming into the new year. But I really expect to see some movement, and I expect this to be pretty bad. Yeah. So uh, I wish I could remember who it was. Maybe it was maybe it was Paul on the show today, but I was recording an episode of Tales from the Association and somebody just absolutely trashes Tyson Chandler, like saying he's a horrible locker room guy. He he somehow established this identity as being this like guile, like guile filled veteran this great leader to teach the young people, but he's actually horrendous in the locker room. Yeah. You know, that's, that's surprising to hear because you look at all the, I mean, one thing that sticks out is there was a Devin Booker, Tyson Chandler, rookie and vet video series. I'm not even sure who made it off the top of my head, Mm -hmm. but it just showed, it was like conversations between book and Tyson. And then you see Tyson's known as the locker room guy, the, the uh-huh. veteran on the team. He's known as that. He's highlighted in plenty of interviews. He gets He's on the social media and all that. That is very surprising to hear. But you can see a guy that, like Tyson who, who's playing for one of the worst teams in the NBA towards the end of his career. I mean, I wouldn't be happy about that. Yeah, and it's also worth pointing out that people have agendas and people have their own, their own personalities and their own interactions with these guys. So maybe that was just a bad relationship. I I don't remember who it was. And obviously I I don't really want to say who it was, but maybe that colored that opinion a little bit, but yeah, just utterly trashing Tyson Chandler, just saying he's Uh, just a a bad dude. That is surprising, but as jaded as a guy could be like yeah. in his situation right now. And then Alex Len, who has been <laughs> playing out of his butt this preseason. Yeah. Like he, he, if, if you ask me, he deserves more minutes than Chandler. No doubt. I think we're kind of seeing the unraveling of Tyson Chandler this year. Just kind of that, that old man coming through is kind of what I see. So, this... you know, God, yeah, I can just see old grumpy Tyson maybe feeling that way a little bit and knowing that his future with the Suns that might not mean a ton. So I can see I can see it. Is this the year Devin Booker finally shoots 40 from the outside? I don't think so because he's still – there's going to be so much volume. Devin mm-hmm. Booker is going to put up a ton of shots this year. And 
without anyone else on the roster to take much attention away from him. I, I mean, I can't see the guy having a stellar shooting percentage this season. Maybe give it a couple more years and some guys pan out a little more and then we see that jump. Yeah, I always think that the perception of Devin Booker is interesting because he came into the NBA as this guy who was kind of like, kind of viewed as a spot-up shooter and very little else, a very, very good spot-up shooter, but right. very, very little else. And it turns out that, you know, he's over two years in the NBA. He's a 35% three-point shooter, which is league average, granted on a high volume. And he's a very good defensive player who gives defensive intensity and hustles more than you think he would. So it's it's funny to see how these the perceptions of a player pre-draft turn out to be so wildly off. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. And I let's just not talk about the defense a whole lot, but offensively, the thing that's really stood out to me this year, and I think we're going to see more of this in the future, is his playmaking ability. Yeah. Really, he, he's really nice out of the pick and roll. He can find the right guy. And maybe we see him turn into a James Harden type role. I don't know if he's quite the playmaker Harden is, but Harden wasn't a playmaker when he was 20 years old either. So I, I, I get, like the feeling for Devin Booker is really high to me still. I know a lot of people are down on him because of the defense, but I think this guy, he can make up for it with buckets and potentially assist in the future. Uh, as a 20-year-old, last year Devin Booker, 3.4 assists a game. As a 20-year-old rookie in Oklahoma City, uh, James Harden, 1.8 assists a game. Sure, but... Harden playing with uh, guys that deserve the ball a little more compared to what well, Booker has been doing, but certainly true. But but that just really that really goes to to uh, to Booker's credit more than anybody else because you know Booker knows that he is this primary option on offense. So three point four assists a game on a team where you don't have a lot of other scoring options is is pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, as Suns fans, we'll take that absolutely, yeah. but. I, I really would like to see him turn into a bit more of a point guard as things go on. And especially like if we trade Eric Bledsoe, yeah. and don't, don't get a point guard in return. We can't rely on Tyler Eulis to log starter minutes. Yeah, that's an interesting position for the Suns because it's this team just sort of jam full of point guards last year. And now nights out for the season, Bledsoe could be traded. And all of a sudden... Eulis is the only real point guard on the roster. I mean, did Mike James make the final roster? You know, I, I'm not exactly sure what the situation is. He was supposed to be on a two-way contract, but I, I'm not quite sure what happened, to tell you the truth. But Mike James might be a guy that sees a few minutes, especially if we move Bledsoe. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird position. How do you feel about Eulis potentially being a starting point guard in a, in a post-Bledsoe world? Well, you can look into that a little bit. Last season when we shut Bledsoe down, I think Eulis started around 15 games. Mm -hmm. He averaged 16 points and about eight and a half assists per game. But that was in 40 minutes at the end of the NBA season. Yeah. So, I mean, at the beginning of the year, Tyler Eulis would not be able to put up numbers quite like that. I mean the system that the Suns were running and the competition they the other teams were putting out to play the Suns definitely inflated Ulysses' stats towards the end of the year last year. 
So two interesting positional battles uh, on this roster. You have, granted, T.J. Warren's got a, a little back injury, but you have T.J. Warren and Josh Jackson at small forward. How do you think those minutes break down? You know, that's that's uh, the million-dollar question right now. We we don't know. We mm-hmm. Warren went down with a uh, – he knocked his head in the Jazz preseason game at the Jazz, and he cut it open, apparently. We couldn't even see it because, I mean, it's 2017 and we're not broadcasting preseason basketball games. But yeah, crazy. that's what I heard happened. So he went out with that and then a slow comeback, and now it's a lower back issue. So I don't know exactly what the case is, but I could see Warren starting the season, picking up uh, – you know, I, I could see them nearly splitting minutes, but Warren getting a few more. But I totally think that Jackson's the kind of guy that could snatch that starting spot away from him. Mm-hmm. And I another thing is maybe we're going small ball and we run TJ and Josh Jackson at the same time. So the minutes – I think Josh Jackson will get pretty close to the minutes TJ gets this year, but that that's just my guess. It's interesting you say small ball because I was actually thinking that maybe there's a world – wherein you trade Bledsoe, you see Warren, Jackson, and Booker together as the one to three quite a bit. That would be intriguing. I'd love to see Josh Jackson play that two a little bit. That would be cool to see. I don't see why that couldn't happen. There's no reason Jackson can't guard twos, Warren guards threes, and Booker just guards the one. So you have enough ball handling. While there's no classic primary ball handler on that roster... Between Booker and Jackson, you see, it would seem like you would have more than enough ball handling to get away with that for spurts. Right. I, I trust those guys with the ball. They're both definitely solid passers. Even Jackson as a rookie, he can move the ball around. So I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that at all. So power forward's also a little bit interesting. You have uh, Marquise Chris, who had a very nice rookie season, and the, the very underwhelming Dragon Bender. What uh, can we expect from Bender in his follow-up season? So I'm really excited for Bender this year with the loss of big sauce Alan Williams, who logged some minutes at the five and the four. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bender really has to step up this year. I don't know if Dudley's going to get a ton of run. I think we're going to stick with the Chris and Bender project at that four. And Bender, I don't need to see him score points. All I want to see is him rebound the ball. You're seven foot one. You should be grabbing some rebounds. And I want to see him play defense because this guy is, he's like a deer. He's so agile mm-hmm. and quick for being seven foot one. I mean, you can put him on about anybody except maybe a guy like uh, anyone with a low post presence. I'm not too sold on right. guarding them, but put him out on the perimeter guarding a wing. And I love it. Bender's just like the ultimate teammate you can have on your team. He's going to make the right pass. He's going to show on defense when he needs to. He's very nice on rotations on defense. So, I mean, I I don't care how much the guy scores, and a lot of basketball fans, that's a big thing for them. But Bender can score a few points a night as long as he's grabbing rebounds and being our – best defender on the floor. Maybe Jackson and Bledsoe play better defense, but mm-hmm. high hopes for Bender as a defender. You uh, need to rhyme. <laughs> it just happened and it was wonderful. But uh, you hit on something very interesting a second ago when you 
you know, sarcastically mentioned that it's 2017. Why would we broadcast preseason games? What is the deal with that? I I pay a lot of money for NBA League Pass, and the Comcast version of NBA League Pass. I believe that the internet only version done through NBA.com has has preseason games, but my version does not. Why why is every preseason game not available? This is crazy. Yeah, I, I just don't get it. There was one Suns broadcast so far this season, and it was against the Brisbane Bullets out of Australia. Nice. The the no. one game that I didn't care to even watch. I mean, Mitch and I from the show, we have season tickets, and we both skipped that game. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then, but don't worry, we can watch it on Fox Sports Arizona, which is great. But I, I mean, you play a few preseason games. Why can't you air all those? Yeah, and it's annoying. I'd say the, the announcers, the announcers need a preseason too. The Suns oh, just sure. have a they have a new play by play guy, and it was it showed. If you ask me, it was his first shot at it, and I mean, why didn't why not give the guy a few more runs at it before the season starts? I couldn't agree with you more. It's it's infuriating. I'm trying to watch Joel, Ben, and these guys play a little preseason hoops, and uh, you know, word to the wise. Any game you want to find is available. I uh, throw a little plug here for uh, reddit.com backslash r backslash NBA streams, wherein you could find pretty much any NBA game you want on any given day. Now, you know, the quality of the stream is going to be significantly in question, and you might have to go through some hoops, but I did manage to watch all 576ers games, but, you know, it's, it's annoying when you're paying a lot of money, you just want to watch a team play. And you have to, like I said, jump through hoops to get a, a mediocre stream to watch these guys. Well, now that you bring it up, I did actually catch some of that Jazz Suns preseason game. It was before the TJ3, but what it was was a jumbotron feed with the <laughs> local jazz, the local jazz announcers behind it. Oh, which it just made it unbearable. I mean, if you're a radio guy. That's like ultra Homer territory, if you ask me. Not Al McCoy, though. Shout out Al McCoy, the Suns announcer. <laughs> He's been doing it a long time, and he does a beautiful job. But those jazz guys were really tough to uh, tune into for a Suns fan. You know who kills me is the Celtics broadcasters. I can't <laughs> listen to them. It, the most, it's like Tommy Heinsohn and somebody else, I believe. The most Homer broadcasters that I have ever heard in my life Anytime anything happens against that team, they're complaining about why it happened and asking why the same thing isn't happening to the other team. It's awful. It's awful. But Ugh. very informative if you're wondering how a guy's packing in the shower. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> you gotta give I don't, props for that, you know? I don't have a segue from that. <laughs> so last thing I'm going to ask you uh, is Eric Bledsoe. If I say 50% chance that he's a son at the end of the season, are you taking the over or the under? I'd say, man, I'd say the under. Do you see a good I, fit I for just, him? You know, that's the thing. I, I, I really don't. I mean, Chicago Bulls maybe? I don't but, think they want to be good yet. Right. But, man, they're weak at point guard. <laughs> What do you mean? Chris but, Dunn and uh, Cameron Payne and Jaron Grant. And didn't they just snatch up Tay Felder, too? Uh, oh, did, I didn't even see that. That's actually, he might start. Honestly, yeah, Tay Felder they're, they're might loaded. be their starting point guard. They're loaded. I, don't, I, I was wrong. They're loaded. 
But, <laughs> you know, I, I don't have a good idea of a great landing spot for Bledsoe right now. As long as it returns uh, a lottery pick, say we have to throw in a little something extra to get it, or, or a player or whatever, I mean, that would be a trade I'd be willing to make. And uh, this is the last year with the, the old lottery rules. I think this is the year to just tank it, get mm-hmm. one more one more shot at a number one pick possibly. And man, I hate tanking. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm yeah. not a big fan of it, but maybe, maybe this is the last hurrah for a tank. Well, and it we has to be, though. it has to be right. given the, the chain, the NBA draft lottery reform, all of a sudden it's going to be a lot more difficult to, uh, to play, have any reasonable chance of drafting number one. I saw the, the odds of the, the, the expected pick, the projected pick for all of the lottery chances. And the team now with the number, well, I guess the top three teams all have 14% chances. Uh, the projected pick for those teams is is between three and four. So you cannot have any comfort at all saying we're going to be bad and that's going to get us a good pick. Because now, you know, with the sliding scale starting in 2019, there's a legitimate chance that the team with the worst record in the regular season picks fifth in the draft. And that yeah, is a catastrophe. That's a gigantic drop. It's just a couple spots compared to what it was used to. But, I mean, when you're talking the beginning of the draft, that means quite a bit. All right, I've got a – so I can't find any any real great fits for Bledsoe like we're talking about, especially of teams that are good. So I'm going to throw one out at you. And I, I, I'm not sure how we make the contracts work, but we'll just assume that we can. Okay. How do you feel about the Milwaukee Bucks? Ooh. Because I don't I think like Brogdon's the sound a starter. I, I, I could see Bledsoe being a great boost to that team. And just he'd fit in great. That wingspan and athleticism, I mean, yeah, he's, he's uh, maybe about half a foot too short for the Bucks' liking. But mm. yeah, I think he'd be a great fit there. That would make that team so exciting. Let Jason Kidd coach him up a little bit. I mean, I think that'd be a nice boost for the Bucks. The only problem is, there, though, I don't know. Yeah, the only problem is that I'm just going off of when the Bucks were reportedly interested in Kyrie, and obviously, you know, Kyrie's a higher level player than Bledsoe, but they were dangling Chris Middleton, who I think is a, a very good, very useful basketball player, but I don't know how useful he is in Phoenix, so that might have to be a three way trade. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's apparent what the Suns want, knowing that. Tyson and Jared Dudley have been dangled for trades this season and obviously all the talk about Bledsoe. I mean, if if something's coming back to the Suns, it has to make a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't even see you as cap room. I'm trying to come up with some crude three-way trade somewhere to send Middleton, but uh, huh, now is not the time for it. So we are uh, right around the 45-minute mark. Went longer than we expected to. Had fun talking to you. Uh, so this has been... Special edition of the Underdog Podcast. The uh, I guess it serves as our NBA preview edition. Uh, Charlie Erling, thanks for coming on the show. You bet, Chris. I had a blast. And everyone, make sure you tune in to Sunny and PHX for your Phoenix Suns news.